I'd like you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. We're going to start reading at verse 22. So we have a sermon series. Hey, kids, if you'd like to go back, um, we have some opportunity in the back too, so feel free. We're in a sermon series called Jesus in His Own Words. Jesus in His Own Words. We looked earlier in this series about who Jesus is because He tells us in His own words who He is. Today we're going to be looking at Jesus in His own words calling us and being with us. And we're going to be looking at that more next week too. Perhaps you saw on the slides, next week's worship is going to look a lot different. It's Baptism Sunday. Hey, it's about time we baptize people in this church in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And so we will be looking at the end of Matthew where Jesus commands us to do that. And we'll actually do the baptism here during worship. So the worship service will be uh, a little bit different. Today, in Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 22, we get a very good scene about who Jesus is and how he really wants to be with us. Those of you that are willing to stand, I, I think we owe it to Jesus to stand for this. Um, he did a miraculous thing here, walking on water. Surely if you're able to stand, we could stand while we read God's word to us. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him on the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, but it was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, probably around 3 o'clock in the morning, 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking in the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, this is our key verse, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, said Jesus. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, 
the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Speak to us today through your message. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, first of all, library ladies, did you know I was going to preach on this today? I was standing out here in the back looking at some of the books that the library ladies display there for us to realize what's in the library. And one of them had a picture of water in a boat, and it, and it was titled, When We Get Out of the Boat, or something like that. Anyway, it's about this passage. John Ortberg, I think, is the name. Ortberg, I know, is the, the last name. You might want to read that afterwards. You can add on to the message that I feel God has laid on my heart for us today. A few weeks ago, you may recall that we mentioned this scene of the disciples on the boat in the storm and Jesus walking on the water, and I said, we'll get to it in a couple weeks. Well, here we are a couple weeks later. Do you remember the context of that? On that day, we spoke about after they were on the other side of the lake. And we tried to put that in context with, what about when they were on this side of the lake? What was going on? Jesus fed the crowd of 5,000. Remember that? 5,000. In, in the scriptures here in Matthew, it tells us it was 5,000 men and the women and children. And it was getting late. So the disciples said, what are we going to do? They're going to be hungry. All we have is a little boy here with five loaves, of fi- or five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus said, bring them here. And he broke the bread and he looked up to heaven and he gave thanks. And the disciples took the bread and the fish and started passing it out among that great crowd, over 5,000 people. And they all ate until they were full. And then Jesus said, hey, disciples, there's 12 of them. Grab a basket, go around and pick up the bread. We don't want any of it to go to waste. And they all came back to Jesus with a basket full of bread. Twelve basketfuls of bread that were left over from those five loaves. Hmm. God is an amazing God. So it became later in the day, and Jesus prompted his disciples, get in the boat, he said, and go on over to the other side. I'll meet you over there. And I'm going to dismiss the crowd. So they got into the boat, and they started across the lake. And then they found themselves in the dark at night in a storm. Have you ever been there? Have you been there? You believe you are doing all the right things. You are seeking God's will for your life. You are seeing great things being done like feeding 5,000 people with two fish 
and five loaves of bread. Even if Jesus would have asked you to pick up a basket full, you know that you could have filled your basket full of bread too, right? And if Jesus asked you, because you're listening, to move on, if he asked you and prompted you to move on, you do. And you take off and you find yourself in the storm. Hmm. In the moment of the storm of your life, you think, there cannot be a basket for me. All you can focus on are those waves of water. They're slopping over the side of your boat. And you know that Jesus is back there on dry ground. Why? in the world did he send you into the storm? Why did Jesus prompt you to get in your boat and head out without him? It's getting late. You're at the end of your rope. It looks like the boat's going to sink and hope becomes a blur. Then out of nowhere? Really? Is that Jesus? Jesus Walking on the water? No way. It must be a ghost. Your emotions overwhelm you and all you can do is cry. Cry in fear. Hope must surely be gone. And it's at that time that Jesus in his own words says, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus comes walking in the water. He gets in your boat, and the story is over. Those words, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. We need to understand those a little bit more. We need to pause here for a little bit. And think about, what is Jesus really saying to us? In the situation we find ourselves in, in a situation that almost seems hopeless, Jesus says, take courage. He's saying, you don't have to manufacture the courage yourself. You don't need to do it on your own. It's available to you for the taking. Go ahead. Take some courage. Help yourself to it. That's the resource that I give to you as Christ, the anointed one. I make it abundantly available to you to take courage. Go ahead. Take courage. Why? Because this is Jesus. He says, it is I, the great I am. It's not a ghost. It's not an apparition. It's not some hallucination that you figure must be happening because of the position you're in. No, this is Jesus. He says, take courage. Take courage because I'm right here with you. It is I. I and no other. And then finally he says, do not be afraid. It's like he's saying, I know you are afraid, 
But you can stop. You can stop being afraid right now. I am with you, Jesus says. Having courage and being unafraid are not the same thing. In fact, one definition of courage is action in the face of fear. Action in the face of fear. Courage is what we display even when we are afraid. We can act on it anyway. Courage is being able to do the very thing that frightens you. But Jesus says, take courage and stop being afraid. You can be completely confident that he is who he says he is. He is and he will do what he says he will do. So face your fear, then recognize Jesus. Jesus, it's you. I can finally stop being afraid. I believe that God's Holy Spirit is speaking to us today and prompting us today from this scripture not to see this story as a way that God takes away our storms. Instead, I think that today, this story is telling us that we need Jesus in our boat. We need Jesus in our boat. We each have a boat. Our life is our boat. I have my issues. My issues are not your issues. I must trust in Jesus for my family issues, for my church issues, and for my health issues. You have your issues. You have your boat. You have your hungers, and you have your desires. We all then have our storms, right? And in the midst of our storms, Jesus, in his own words, says, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. We can trust him. The question is, will we let Jesus climb into our boat? At this point in this message today, I believe that I probably have spoken to about 92% of you. But there are those other 8%. For every 12, there is that typically that one that's just not satisfied to wait until Jesus gets in the boat. I'm going to call them today the 8%ers. They're the ones that the rest of us look at and we think, wow, they sure are bold, aren't they? They take Jesus literally when he says, take courage. They're the ones that will take courage and step out even if they are afraid. In the middle of this story, we have one guy. One guy out of 12. That's about 8%. Doing his own thing. If you're familiar with the gospel at all or the New Testament, you probably think, I wonder, is that Peter? <laughs> that sounds like Peter to me. Sure enough, Peter is that 8%er. 
he's that natural leader. He, he was part of the inner circle of Jesus. It seemed that Peter would always step out with boldness, right? Always stepping out with boldness in his life. He had faith and he had courage. His faith was that all things were possible for God. I know that I can trust Jesus no matter what. So why not be bold and step out in faith? We need these eight percenters. We need them in our church, don't we? How crazy that must have been for those other 12, the 11, to witness him. Too often I think that we probably focus too much on Peter beginning to sink in this story. I think that we don't treat the eight percenters fairly. We criticize them. Have you seen anyone repeat this feat, though? Have you seen anybody walk on water? Peter did. Wow. If we could do what those eight percenters do. Eleven out of twelve of us were probably relating to those words that I was speaking earlier, describing our boat in the storm, hope is almost gone. Then came Jesus. It's probably the eight percenters that walk along beside us in our lives that remind us to look for Jesus and keep looking to Jesus. Although the storm surrounds him, Peter looked to Jesus. The only problem Peter experienced as he walked on water was that he stopped looking at Jesus. The principle is clear, especially when life is a tumultuous storm, which it is. Look for Jesus and keep looking to Jesus. Remember, we want him in our boat. What encouragement can we get from these eight percenters. Maybe we can learn something from these eight percenters. These eight percenters that step out with boldness, looking to Jesus. The first thing I think we can learn is obedience. Peter, at least one of the twelve, was seeking a command from Jesus. Did you see that when we were reading it? And then Jesus told Peter, Come, come to him on the water. Even though it made absolutely no sense, Peter did what Jesus said. We need people in our church to show us what obedience looks like. Obedience is doing what Jesus commands. We can all learn from these eight percenters. When Jesus says, come, they go. Is there any area in your life, I want you to think about this, write it down, or at least make a mental note. Is there any area in your life that maybe you are not obeying our Lord Jesus? How about as a church? Is Dunphy Missionary Church completely obeying our Lord Jesus? Think about it, jot it down, 
Pray about it. The next thing I think we can learn from the eight percenters is our next step. The eight percenters show us that faith is simply taking that next step. Peter took one step to get out of the boat, and then he took steps on the water to come to Jesus. Peter was doing just fine when he was focused on Jesus and he was focused on his next step that he would take on the water. But Peter got in trouble when he looked at the storm surrounding the boat. Peter lost sight of his next step. I've got another question for you to think about. What next step is Jesus asking you to take? What next step is Jesus asking you to take? What next step is Jesus asking Dunphy Missionary Church to take? Come on, 8%ers. Help us out here. The next thing that we learn from the 8%ers, because they do help us out, is how to unleash the supernatural. The 8%ers help the church see that faith, faith unleashes the supernatural. None of the 12 in that boat experienced the supernatural power of God until one stepped out in faith. I wonder what those 92%, those 11 that were left in the boat, were thinking. What, what are we thinking when we watch those 8%ers stepping out in faith? Do we cheer them on? Go ahead, yeah, way to go, we're praying for you. You go ahead, lead the way. We'll watch, maybe we'll follow you, maybe. Or perhaps they just turn their back on Peter. You are crazy, Peter. Go ahead. You know if you get out of this boat, you're just going to drown. Either way, we know that it was Peter's faith. Faith that allowed him to get down out of the boat and to walk on the water. Another question, are you seeing the supernatural in your life? Are you? Is there anything that we need to be doing differently in faith so that we can see the supernatural? The next thing I think the eight percenters help us to see is that fear must not control us. Fear must not control us. Fear allows the power of the storm all around us to overwhelm us. When Peter had a little faith, just a little faith, he walked on the water. When he was afraid because of the power of the storm around him, he sank in the water. The same is true for the church. Fear will sink us. Help us out here, eight percenters. Don't let us be afraid. God may be calling us to do things that take us out of our comfort zone. Help us. Perhaps this is why Jesus said, do not be afraid is there any fear any fear in your life that is gripping or controlling 
your decision making. Hmm. Think about it. Pray about it. Make a note. What are those things? Even for the church, what, what are these fearful things that are gripping our decision making that we just need to let go of and step out in faith? The next thing the 8%ers help us with is the power of a little faith. When Peter did not focus on Jesus, when he allowed himself to be overwhelmed by the storm that was all around him, he was afraid. Peter began to sink, and Jesus reached out his hand immediately and took Jesus by, or took Peter by the hand and saved Peter from drowning. And then Jesus and Peter had a little teaching moment. Did you notice that in the scripture? In the middle of the storm, on the water, amid the storm, they had this conversation. Jesus said, Peter, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? That's all that's recorded, but I kind of wonder, what was the rest of that conversation? I wonder what the entire conversation was. Have you ever sat with someone and just talked to them about your hopes and your dreams and share what God's doing in your life? Share the philosophy of life with one another. You just know that Jesus is right there with you. Why did you doubt? Let's talk about this a little bit. And before you know it, an hour or two or three have gone by and the storm is still raging all around you. It's time for you and Jesus to climb back into the boat. It seems like a little faith is better than no faith at all. Our Lord Jesus spoke of Peter's little faith. Peter's little faith allowed him to walk on water. Does this mean that if we're able to have a greater sustained faith without doubt, that we could do even more than walking on the water? Whoa! Actually, a couple chapters later in Matthew, you should read it later today, Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse 14, we, we hear of this boy that's demon-possessed. He, he, the demon is causing seizures to this boy. He's being hurt. He has a great suffering because of this demon. And the disciples could not heal him. But Jesus rebuked the demon, and the boy was healed. The disciples went to Jesus and asked, Why couldn't we drive out that demon? And Jesus replied, Because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, Jesus says in his own words, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, that's just like enough faith to be able to see. You can say to this mountain, move from here over to there. And the mountain will move from here over to there. Nothing will be impossible for you. Just a little faith. 
And what about those 92 percenters, those other 11 that were in the boat? Where was their faith? Did they have no faith? After Jesus had his teaching moment with Peter out on the water, amid that storm, verse 32 that we read, they climbed in, into the boat. And immediately the wind died down. Remember what I said earlier? I believe the Holy Spirit is prompting us today to realize that we need Jesus in our boat. We don't need Jesus to take the storms away. We need Jesus in our boat during the storms. Which brings us to our last question. How is your worship going? Once Jesus got into the boat, the winds died down immediately. Everyone in the boat began to worship Jesus. They said, surely you are the Son of God. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference in the life of the church or in your own life? The difference of trying to manage everything on your own? Maybe in your life or in this church, we've gotten to that point where you've tried to make decisions and manage things in your life to make it a little bit better, to get a little bit better, to make it through life. And you've managed so much and you've just sunk so far. The water's flowing over the sides. People are leaving. And you just think, I've got to manage a little bit harder, manage a little bit better, and maybe things will, will get better. I can't let go now. You're in that storm. And Jesus comes to you, and all he really wants to do is get in the boat. Are you going to finally let go and let God? Are you going to let go and let Jesus into your boat and let him manage? his church, the life that he gave you. I read these scriptures at the call to worship this morning, and I want to close with them again. Matthew 14, 27, Jesus says, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. For the Lord loves what is fair, and right, he does not leave the people alone who belong to him. They are kept forever. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, we thank you. We thank you that you want to be in our boat. We thank you that you're willing to walk on the water to get to where we are and help us to realize that we need you. We need you in our boat. We need to quit trying to run our life through this storm to get to the other side. Come into our boat, Lord Jesus. Help us to make it through this life in calmness and with you, with even a little bit of faith that we have in you. In Jesus' name. Amen.